You can say it with me and for me. You've got it. We're talking about faith in God through Jesus' Son, by the Holy Spirit, according to truth, according to Scripture. We're not inventing something radical, new, different. We're coming back to the Bible to understand about God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. Faith is not a power we operate like the force in Star Wars. Faith is not focused upon an outcome, but upon God, who will bring about what we're praying to him for. Faith is God with. Jesus said, have faith in God. And the scripture, which is on the screens in the foyer as well, running at the moment, is Habakkuk 3. The just shall live by his or her faith. It's our way of life. Trusting in God through Jesus. That's the ha- how we live. Today we come to uh, faith and healing part two. And I'm going to try not to repeat all of what I said last week because we'll be here for an hour and a bit. Um, but a few headlines. Repetition helps us remember. So we're talking about not faith healing, divine healing. There are all kinds of people who present themselves as faith healers. All right? Divine healing means this. Uh, divine healing is a supernatural act of God which resolves a physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual problem. God did it. If it's divine healing, the deity, God, did it. All right? Not a person, not somebody else. We don't heal people. Faith does not heal people. God heals people. He uses people. He does it through faith. But he is the healer. Let me remind you again of the four square gospel. There was a, this badge, if, if I had one and I don't, would be about 100 years old. It goes around, four square gospel. Jesus is saviour, baptised with the Holy Spirit, healer and coming king. And uh, Assemblies of God in the UK and in America, uh, ELIM in the UK and the Four Square Gospel Network of Churches who carry that name to this day in America, all started out as Pentecostal Four Square Gospel Churches. They all signed up or published those four headings about Jesus. During my early years of adulthood, I met some of the early Pentecostal pioneers, people who were you know, in their 20s during the First, first World War and uh, were kind of up in their 80s and 90s when I met them, you know, in the early 70s. A couple of them were lecturers during my time at Bible College. And uh, I, I had to get over my, preju- my youthful arrogance and prejudice against them. I learned to listen to them, and I learned to love them. I want to tell you that they were not at all like modern ministries. They were simple, humble, devoted followers of Jesus. I have a number of their books on my shelves to this day. And I would suggest that for them, the truth about divine healing could have been summed up a bit like this. The Lord is our healer. We ask him to heal. When it happens, we glorify him. When it doesn't happen, we we don't understand. We live with mixture. We don't win every battle, battle, but we do not blame anyone, including God. Now, I don't want you to be deceived. Jesus tells us to take heed that we're not deceived. Believing what is not true about faith, about healing, leads in the end to disappointment. I know some people who, despite my seeking to put them on a right track, uh, were so into the, kind of the word of faith thing and healing by command and declare, decree and declaring that when they were in a crisis of some sort and the trick which is what it is, didn't work. They gave up, not just up on, on faith about healing, but they gave up on faith altogether. They gave up on Christianity. It's that serious, folks, deception. Deception 
leads eventually to desperate disappointment. I've seen it. Now I want to deal with some issues about healing, and we're just a bit scattered this and a bit of that, but never mind. Sickness and sin. In a sense, all sickness is connected generally to sin. We're all fallen beings, fallen in Adam. We're prone to disease. We're prone to the aging. Uh, um, if nothing else takes us, then we will die of extreme old age, as they put on Prince Philip's death certificate. You know, your body will just wear out. It just will not go on. If we'd not rebelled against and rejected the Lord, there would be no sickness. But the whole world of nature was corrupted and changed by our fall. We live in a world where some animals have reason to be afraid of us and we have reason to be afraid of some animals. That's because of our fallenness. We live with a created world that we cannot see, the microscopic world of single-cell creatures, bacteria and viruses. We are, our bodies are full of them, covered with them. Your gut is full of them. It's called the microbiome nowadays. Most of these creatures are either beneficial or benign, but some are very dangerous. A very small proportion of that microbiological world is harmful to us. A very small proportion of it is harmful to us. And many sicknesses are caused by things we cannot see except through our microscopes. We've also polluted our world and our bodies with man-made chemicals, processed foods, and so on. Those things cause much sickness. So it isn't that God sends a thunderbolt from heaven when a sickness arrives. We live in a world which, it's, which is ready to get us in some way with all sorts of things. By the way, smoking used to kill thousands of people every year. And now we look back at it and think, how stupid was that? Altogether, sickness is generally connected to our general human behavior in rebellion against God. But some sickness is directly connected to sin. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, because you don't discern the Lord's body, meaning in the way they handled one another, they were, they, they, they were mishandling and mistreating their fellow Christians. He says, when you eat the bread and drink the cup in, in sharing a meal together, you're, you're, being, you're, you're being a hypocrite. You're being a blasphemer, really. And so he says, because you've done this, some of you have drunk, eaten and drunk, and drunk judgment to yourselves because you haven't discerned the Lord's body. It doesn't mean the bread and the wine. It means the body of Christ. If we judged ourselves, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Sleep is another expression for they died. They're gone. If we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But if we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord, so we may not be condemned with the world. Paul, uh, Jesus wrote to the church at Thyatira, Revelation 2. And he's talking about uh, a prophetess there called Jezebel. It isn't, it's probably not her re real name. It's a nickname for her. And, and she's been misleading the church. And he says, if you do not repent, I'm going to throw her on a bed of sickness, and I'll throw you all on a bed of sickness. I'll make you all sick. That was judgment that Jesus was threatening to the church if they did not repent. In other scriptures, Paul talks about handling sinning believer over to Satan for the destruction of the body. The good news is he wrote the second letter to Corinthians. He said, he's repented, now forgive him and restore him. All right? Whether he experienced some sickness that caused him to change his mind, I don't know. That's a mystery. But, but you know, the thing was threatened and done officially. Paul, with the church, handed him over, but he repented. And he was restored. That's the, that's the focus of such discipline. In other places, Paul handed other people over to the severe discipline of the destruction of the bodies or just simply over to Satan. But this measure of tribulation 
of handing someone over to be to experience trouble and even sickness, and that's a judgment. I've I've been involved in doing that twice in all my life. Yes, as a Christian leader with other elders together, we have seriously faced doing that twice. Don't do it all the time, please. All right, we done, but we needed to. But the point of such handing over is that they may be turned back to God. All right. In fact, even Paul says, that even if their body is destroyed, their spirit may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. James 5 offers some suggestions that, that it's possible for some to, in some occasions, sometimes, that sickness is directly related to sin. We'll come back to James 5 in a, mean, in a minute. Let me talk now about healing as a sign. God does not heal people for our entertainment. People say, oh, I'd love to see some more healings at church. Why? Are you wanting to be impressed? Are you wanting to believe something you don't now believe? What's the question? When healing is a sign, it's a sign to unbelievers. As the gospel of Jesus is proclaimed and people are healed in Jesus' name, they think, this Jesus they're talking about just did that. It's a sign of the living Jesus by whose name and power Jesus healed. That's why signs and wonders, healings, are very often on the very front line of evangelism and pioneering situations, which is how the church prayed in Acts 4. They were in a pioneering situation. They were threatened by the authorities. Shut up. Stop preaching. And they had a prayer and said, Lord, you hear their threats. Now give us your authority. Help us. Empower us, Lord. Let, the, let us not flag or, 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 be di, or be diminished or you know, frightened from preaching the gospel. And please, Lord, at the same time, stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy son, Jesus. I wasn't intending to quote all that, but anyway. If you're eager to see God healing people, here's my suggestion. When you can travel again, when they fly around the world again, go on a mission somewhere. Go on a short-term mission somewhere where... You know, the gospel is reaching unreached people. I've been in such situations, and I tell you, in those situations, I have seen things that haven't made me go, haven't made me go, oh, cool. They've made me go, what? I've been reduced to a sniveling, bubbling wreck, seeing the glory of God manifested as sick and needy people have been healed in the name of Jesus. Get out there, front line, and you'll see it happen. You will be one of the people praying for them because there'll be too many people to be prayed for. So if you're there as a guest, as a visitor, they'll look at you and go, come on, get on with it. And you'll see some things. You'll see some things. So I'm talking about Asia, Africa, Latin America, places like that. As the gospel is preached and people pray for him, he confirms his word with signs and healings. Now let me talk to you about gifts of healings. I'm not wrong. It's got two S's. Gifts of healings. Same is true of working of miracles. Workings of miracles. It's double plural, very clearly in the Greek. Now, I'm going to say some things to you. You're going to think, I've never heard it that way before. I haven't got time to do this, but if you will please read through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Read them right through. And forget, set aside, it's a discipline of the mind. Set aside what you've been told is what that means and how it works. Just read it through. When I've read it through and again and again, this is how I read it. This is how I see it. And shall I tell you what? Some of the early Pentecostal pioneers were saying the same thing. The old guys saw it before I did. 
Three times in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul refers to gifts of healings, double plural. Every healing is a gift. And the same is true of work and miracles. There are, they are two of the nine gifts of the Spirit that Paul writes about to the Corinthian church. All right? They are a word of wisdom. You don't have full wisdom. You have a little word of wisdom that God gives at a particular moment of time. It's a little container of wisdom. A word of knowledge. You don't know everything, but God shows you something you couldn't know otherwise in a particular moment of time for the good and help of people. A gift of acceptable faith. You haven't got faith to do everything all the time, but if, if a mountain needs to be moved, God will give you a gift of faith to move the mountain. All right? It's exceptional faith in exceptional circumstances. Gifts of feelings, workings of miracles, a word of prophecy. You know? A distinguishing between spirits. You, something's going on and, and, and you, sense, you sense from the Holy Spirit, this is God, leave it alone. This is, a, this is a demon, let's deal with it. Or, hey, this is just you, stop messing around. <laughs> yeah? This is just you, you're being a silly human being right now. Right? Okay. An utterance in tongues, or an interpretation of tongues. That each of them is a gift at a particular moment. The whole passage on the gifts of spirit begins with Paul emphasizing three things. They are here in this verse. One and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Notice that each one individually, every gift is again and again and again and again. So to sum that up in three S's, three words, because this is the way I do things, isn't it? The Holy Spirit gives these things sovereignly. They're his to give, and they remain his. They never become ours. The Spirit gives these things separately or severally. Each gift is given at a particular time to meet a particular need for an individual or for a gathering or for a community of people to deliver the wisdom and power and grace of God. Particular things in particular moments. And the Holy Spirit gives these serially, repeatedly. And in fact, that's why some people get to regularly receive through the, from the Lord the same gift. All right? They, they regularly bring a word of prophecy. They regularly, regularly hear a word of wisdom from God and can bring it. But they don't have the gift to use whenever they want to. It's a gift that comes from the Spirit again and again and again. So, you go and look at me, what is this? Okay, no one has the gift of healing because there isn't a gift of healing. There are gifts of healings. No one has the gift of miracles. Every miracle is sent individually at that time by the Holy Spirit. But he looks for obedient messengers to deliver his gifts. That is what the original language of the Scriptures teaches. The words of Paul point to the fact that someone may be a regular messenger by the Spirit of gifts of healings, so that is part of their regular service to the body of Christ. But it's not in their control. They cannot heal people. It's only when the Lord gives them that... that, 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 that uh, special empowering of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are His gifts. They never become my gift. And a lot of talk on spiritual gifts puts these things in with things like leadership gifts and, and, and the character gifts of Romans 12. Romans 12 is about things that you have made to, been made to be. You've been made to be a preacher or a teacher. Or whatever, all right? And then the gifts that, that are mentioned in Ephesians are leadership gifts. You need people who lead us in team together as apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. But these gifts are sovereignly the Holy Spirit's to give to whom he wishes when he wishes. 
So it would be wholly inappropriate for any one of us to boast because God has used us as his servant to deliver his gifts. Right? Boasting is excluded. But when we're praying for someone, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit to give us that kind of, I'm going to use the word anointing. I don't often use it because it's so misused. But that sense of, sense of, sense of equipping, of empowering, that we're, we're stirred by him to say something, to, say, to act in a certain way, to, that prophetically delivers from the Lord to that person. Now, if he does that on that occasion, don't think that you've now learned the trick so that's all you ever do. I've been to seminars where people say, this is the way we pray for healing. You say this and this and this and this and this and then you say this and this and this. And then write it all out. I've got one at home. Write it all out. And I think, no, we're not learning a trick. We're calling on the Lord who will heal people differently at different times. It's his sovereign, gracious will we're looking into it, inquiring about. Please, if you're praying for people, do not manipulate the situation. Make no pretense. Don't boast or claim to have particular faith or ministry. Then there's calling for the elders. I'm actually going to read this scripture out to you. James 5, verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, notice that. It's just possible that this is in there. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. But James goes on. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now I understand here, and this is, this is how the ancient church fathers understood it, and they knew Greek better than I do, of course, that there's a progression here. If you're unwell or in trouble or distress, pray. If your illness progresses so that you're so unwell you cannot get out, to a gathering of the saints to be prayed for by your brothers and sisters. You know, you, you, you're really trapped in by this illness. Call for the elders of the church to come and visit you. That's the sense of it. <clears throat> Call for the elders of the church to come and visit you. The sick person should be the one asking. There's a measure of... Remember Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The sick person should have that grain of faith to say, I need to call for the elders. They've already been praying. They probably had other people already pray for them, but now they think it's like, I need to take this a step further. I'm asking the elders of my church to come and pray for me and anoint me with oil. That's how I read it. That's how it's been understood and applied over many centuries. If he has committed sins, he will be, give, be forgiven. Sickness can be connected to sin. It's not always connected to sin. So when someone says, there must be a reason why you're sick, try not to give them a slap in the face, but they do deserve one. That's a horrible thing to say. But when someone's sick, surely they will be inquiring of the Lord, what's happening, Lord? Why, you know? And if they come to a sense of conviction that they need to put something straight, they need to ask for forgiveness, they need to call someone, they, they need to deal with something, they need to repent of something, then they should do that. And if they continue to be sick, then that is something the elders of the church need to come and explore with them. They are, they, the elders of the church don't quiz them. Now, what have you done? 
You must have done something. Now, the sick person knows they need to confess something. They're convicted by the Holy Spirit. All right? So it's not a matter of inquiry and an inquisition. It's like they know when the elders turn up, brothers, before you pray for me, I need to confess this. Oh, bless you. Oh, God help you. Let's pray. Lord, forgive my brother and my sister, you know. They deal with that, and then they pray for the healing. I've done that. Both ends of that. The prayer of faith made by the elders. Oh, sorry. Confess your trespass to one another, pray for one another. You may be healed. So actually, this is not just an elder's visit. We can be doing this all the time, praying for one another. But we don't do it by make, you know, putting someone on the spot and haranguing them about, what did you do, what did you do, what did you do? They need to be honestly open and saying, I, I, I feel this, you know, this is, I, in the mix of this, it's, I, I need to confess this. And the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, and then Paul, Paul talks about uh, um, Elijah. And Elijah didn't pray once, he prayed seven times. In fact, he prayed a long time that it wouldn't rain, and then he prayed seven times with his head between his knees that it would rain. So that wasn't a one-off, shout, 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 I've prayed my best prayer. There was repetition in that. There was hanging on in there. In that. So the effectual, fervent prayer. Fervent means not just fiery, it means repeated. It means, you know, um, sticking at it. This is uh, what's in the Old Anglican Prayer Book. Uh, it's, it's quoted in the 1600 Prayer Book that uh, the uh, here shall the, the sick person, if they're moved to make a special confession of his sins, if he feel his conscience troubled with any weighty matter, he should speak that to the in, in Anglican book. It says priest, and they, they then pray a prayer of forgiveness for him. All right. Fervent prayer is not just one fiery prayer, not just one noisy prayer. Jesus is healer. That's, this is the core of the whole thing. It seems to me that some people have made healing into something that should happen according to a formula or a process. It's become a money-spinning part of Christian business or entertainment. People claim to have a healing ministry or a healing anointing, and you're invited to their conferences, which, by the way, cost a few bob to go to. And if they pray for you or lay hands on you, according to the, the way that they usually do it, and the promises that they've made you, you come forward, the Lord's going to heal you, and you're not healed, guess what? It's your fault. You ever heard that one? Because you should have been healed. By the way, the official guidelines of the American Assemblies of God, Pentecostal denomination, official guidelines of the American Assemblies of God to their ministers is don't tell people you're healed when you pray for them. Let them tell you if it happens. Healing comes through faith in Jesus and prayer to him and through him. He is to be sought and asked and his word listened for. Let me give you an example of his word listened for. My dad fell off the ladders. People look at me, you do that as well, David. Okay, I've done that once. My dad fell off the ladders cleaning the windows at home and he fell from the second story, you know, cleaning the windows there, ladder, on it, flattened his back, broke his back. And he was in the hospital for weeks and he came out with a cast on and when the cast came off he was supposed to wear a kind of girdle, a strap thing that went across his back and was strapped in time. So for many months he, he wore that, maybe a year or two years, I forget now. And uh, my dad was the keyboard player at our church, played organ or piano. And what, this Easter morning, he was sat at the keyboard playing. And we were in communion, I think. 
my dad used to just play, and maybe somebody started a song and join in. And, and as he was playing, here's the thing. I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> he heard the Lord Jesus say to him, Glenn, that was his nickname. His name was Glenn Moore. Glenn, you're healed. When he got home, he took the thing off. He never wore it again. He was healed. When we're praying, we need to be listening. How does Jesus heal us? By a touch or by a word? How eager are you to hear his word? Don't invent it. Don't presume it. Don't make it up. But be listening. Jesus said, we said last week, that healing was the children's bread, and yet he teaches us, give us this day our daily bread. It's a matter of prayer, not of command and decreeing and prophesying it into happening and making it happen by our faith, asking him clearly. Fundamentals, I am the Lord who heals you, the Lord Yahweh said. David blessed the Lord because... Yahweh was the one who forgave all his sins, who healed all his diseases. It's not that David never sinned. We know that's not true. It's not that David was never sick. We know that's not true. But the Lord forgave him his sins and healed his diseases. Healing comes through faith in Jesus and prayer to him and through him. When Jesus said to someone, your faith has saved you, or your faith has made you well, he wasn't saying their faith as a force had made it happen. He was, he was a shorthand for saying, your faith in me has brought you your rescue. Your healing. Amen. They trusted him, and he says, your faith is rewarded, you are now well, you are now saved. We live as fallen beings in a fallen world where disease attacks us, age diminishes us, and if we're, unless we're alive when the Lord returns, we'll all die of something. We don't yet live in the perfect, but the partial and imperfect. This business of healing is about Jesus' name, his authority. The word power really means authority more than energy in its original meaning. And his compassion, Jesus was moved with compassion to go to sick people and heal them. And, 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 and I find that's something that has worked with me sometimes. You know, I need to go with, I'm stirred with compassion to go and pray for somebody, not to show off, not to say, oh, well, I'm a pastor, I better do it anyway. No, I'm really stirred because I need to pray for this person. Compassion is a major factor in discovering and finding healing through Jesus and his honor. So here's the summary. If you're ill, seek the Lord. Turn to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Evangelists up and down the, the, the world today will be inviting people to come to Jesus. But actually, every scripture that talks about coming to Jesus talks to us, believers. It's us who need to keep coming to him. Keep coming to him. Why? Because we get distracted. We start to leave her off somewhere. Keep coming to him. And come to him to ask for healing. If you continue be, to be ill, ask for prayer. Perhaps, first of all, during a meeting time. If you're not so well, you can't. And well, you can't get. If you're not able to get out, summon up the faith and courage to call for the elders to come and visit you. Bring the old with them. And be ready having sought the Lord, if there's something on your conscience to deal with it at that time. There may not be, that's fine, all right? There may or may not be. Either way, that's fine. If your family or friends are ill, pray for them. Pray for them. If your Christian brother or sister is ill, pray for them. I'm going to pray in a moment when we're breaking bread for Flo. Dear Flo, she's hurt her face. She fell down this week. Um, Joe has hurt himself working, working here actually during the week. Oh my goodness, I feel guilty. Um, we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters during that communion time.
We are looking to Jesus, coming to Jesus, asking of him, trusting him. Read the Gospels, observe how people came to Jesus, how they asked him to heal them, how he did heal them, how they brought their family members, how they brought their friends, how they came and asked him to heal their employees. And the centurion, the brave soldier there, said, you don't even need to come to my house, you just give the order. Wow! But notice that, don't give me the order, you give the order. Healing is part of who Jesus is. The Lord Yahweh is our healer. Let that be our conviction. Let's call upon his name for his unchanging kindness and authority to be shown through the work of the Spirit in healing again and again. Yet we will live with an imperfect score sheet. And we won't know why. There's a mystery in this. But, last scripture, and here we begin to break bread. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So when you read the Gospels, the Jesus whom we now deal with, exalted on high, seated at the Father's right hand, full of glory, full of power, full of majesty, is nevertheless still the same Jesus. He hasn't changed. He has the same compassion, the same pity. The same things move him. And he's very willing to hear the prayers of those who will call upon him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I hope you've been encouraged to pray for your own healing, for the healing of your family and friends, for the healing of your brothers and sisters. Pray for others. Do you know what? When Job came through all his troubles... And, uh, you know, the, the, he, he, was, he passed his test of faith. I haven't got time to look it up and talk to you about it. Here's a little hint here. The Lord restored Job when he prayed for his friends. The ones who had given him a hard time? Yeah, them. He prayed for those so-and-sos who'd beaten him black and blue in, in their accusations against him. But he prayed for them. And when he prayed for them, God healed and restored him. One old elder friend of mine, co-elder with me years ago, he did that. He was ill at home one night, and he was seeking the Lord. He couldn't come to church that night, and so he was at home. And he said, Lord, what is this? What is this? And the Lord brought some people to mind. And he said, well, okay, all right, I'll, I'll pray for them. So he said, another one, prayed for them. Another person came, prayed for them. Another person came to mind, prayed for them. Another person who was ill, he prayed for them. And then he realized, he thought, do you know what? I'm fine. He was healed. Try it sometime. All right, I better stop. We're going to pray together. Let's take a moment to pray before we break bread together. Father, we thank you that our Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this morning we pray for our friends here. Now we pray for Flo, that you'll give her recovery from her injuries, and for Joe too, who's injured himself this week. Lord, bring healing to our sister, to our brother. There are others in our homes and our families, some recovering from bouts of COVID. We present them before you to know. We pray for our friends. We, 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 we kind of bring them to you in that sense. And for our family, we say, Lord Jesus, be pleased to be moved with compassion towards them, to put your hand upon them. If they know you, speak to them like you did to my dad. 
And let them know that you have come to them today to be their healer. For your honor, your namesake, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus gives us bread as a reminder of himself and all that he is to us. He's the bread of God come down from heaven. And we pray every day, give us this day our daily bread. Feed our hearts on Jesus every day, Holy Spirit. Feed our hearts on all that Jesus is to us, saving us, healing us, giving us again and again the Holy Spirit. Jesus is everything to us, and it's all summed up in this little wafer, the bread of God. And of course, the, this great new covenant of grace that we live in through faith in Jesus didn't come about just at a snap of a finger or the signing of a document. It was sealed by the blood of Christ. We give thanks to him. Let me pray again and then the team will come back. If somebody needs to tell the youth that we're, we're over time. They, they're over time. They should be back anyway. Thank you. Um, let's pray. Why don't you take a moment to come to the Lord Jesus and talk to him about who you want to see healed. Could be you. It's okay to do that. I'm not putting a burden on you. Don't, don't pray for yourself. Yes, pray for yourself. Do pray for yourself. Body and soul, pray for yourself. But whoever comes to mind right now, maybe you may be more conscious of your need than someone else's. That's fine. Pray for a moment now. And commit yourself to look to Jesus. First of all, to ask him, and then having asked him, to trust him, and to look for and listen for his healing authority. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let me just say this again as well. If you are not yet a believer in Jesus, you haven't committed your life into his hands, so you don't know what it's like to live by faith in him. Why don't you take a moment to do that now? Pray to him. Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. You could be any age and do this. The Lord Jesus never for one moment turned away little children. In fact, he told off people who did. Let them come to me, he said. The kingdom of heaven starts with people like this. Childlike faith. Present yourself to him in a moment's prayer. Commit yourself to follow him. Learn from him. Thank you, Lord.